1: Welcome to another go-around of Thursdays with Nico. I don't think you don't have a, a cup of coffee with you right now, considering it's more like a, a late lunch with Nico this go round. do you?
2: <laughs> no, John, I do not. Uh, I actually have a little, um, uh, I don't know how you'd call it, uh, uh, an adult beverage. Uh, there you go. Adult
1: beverage works. That? That's good. That'll work. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, he it's lunch but it is veterans day uh, and uh yeah so i am uh, treating myself to a little uh lunch adult drink
1: <laughs> as you should so uh, uh let's let's get into a majority of our conversation this go-round will be with uh, what happened on decision day and kind of setting up the playoffs a little bit and do you want to start with the oopsie from pro or do you want to kind of build into it with the hand, with the handball that happened with Justin Glad? Do you want to get to that first or do you want to work our way to it?
2: Oh, uh, we we could start there just cuz I mean it's so ironic to hear <laughs> a Sporting Kansas City uh, complain about reffing.
1: And uh, it's you look at you look at the play, you look at the replay Justin Glad sticks out his hand. And the the trickle-down effect that this no call and then no reversal on VAR, which seemed to be clear and obvious, all of the trickle-down effects that were had by this particular moment, once again, you've got Pro coming out and saying, oops, our bad. But once again, Pro sits there, and it's a situation where the repercussions of it and the knock-on effects are absolutely huge. Huge and it also speaks to what we're constantly seeing this year, or not necessarily constantly, but it keeps cropping up where you're having issues with pro and you're having issues specifically with the implementation of var when when not to overriding, overruling, and all of the knock-on effects. Oh my goodness. You're talking about a whole other handball.
2: Uh I was talking about the one in sporting Kansas City that they were complaining about. Uh
1: that too. Well,
2: we'll get to that one next. We'll get to that one next. <laughs> all right. Yeah, th- there were a few of those, and uh, you're right. I mean, to not give you the, the exact same answer you've probably heard all week. I mean, the thing with VAR is that you got two, two types of people. Some of us who can't stand it and, and, and just want it to be the way it always been, and, and, and not take certain essence from the game that you can actually celebrate a goal with your teammates and not have to wait to the screen to figure out if you should or not. Uh, and those who think it's fixing the game and, and, and it's making it better. And yes, certain calls have gotten reversed and have prob- probably put teams through that should have been through and and uh, gave teams three points where they should have gotten them or whatever the case may be. Uh, but VAR is not perfect. And and, and now to some of, the, of us that have never enjoyed it or, or, or have been behind <laughs> it, uh, you just say, okay, so now you're losing both aspects of the game. You're, you're forgetting about that essence and, and that natural moments that, that happen when goals happen. And, and then, uh, or or you know, or when mistakes happen you know, it, it, with, with handballs and offsides. And then you're also getting them wrong. And you're also not knowing when to overturn. And, and then uh, you are not using VAR, but then you're uh, going back and, and uh, either suspended a player um, for a game, uh, even though it was looked at by the ref and it was looked at by VAR. So it, it's just such a, a an odd component that uh, M- MLS in general is looking really bad when it comes to refereeing VAR, uh, the difference of opinion between disco and the referees on the game. So it's just a huge mess, man. And I, I can't help but just... To think that next year there better be a huge emphasis on better refereeing, a uh, more standardized use of VAR, and all of the above, because it just has been awful, awful. And this, yes, it it changed the game, and 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 you can't doubt that. So it all comes down to to just bad implementation of VAR.
1: All right. So now let's get into the sporting Kansas City irony that you were talking about initially here, where. You know, and once again, it it seems to be item number two where we're talking about bar. We're sporting Kansas City and, and uh, Peter Vermees. Uh, let's see how how should we phrase Peter Vermes's, uh press conference with the uh, the the colorful and forced language of Peter Vermees discussing his uh, disenchantment with everything that was going on around. Was that a fair assessment of Peter Vermees' post game?
2: <laughs> you know what? I could not put it better myself. That's actually very eloquent and, and, and I will co-sign that today and tomorrow. That, that, that's beautifully put. Um but it is just a little hypocritical for, you know, a, a coach that has been involved in back to back issues from Christian Rodab being body slammed to the awful tackle on uh Babela Reynoso and now you have the audacity to to put that into context. I mean you gotta check yourself and you gotta check your surroundings and you got to I don't know, you don't got to check social media, but you got to look around you, man, and, and, and realize that perhaps in this one you could have said, hey, you know what, we lost because uh, we were not better. Uh, RSL was uh, hard to break down, and they scored a goal, and uh, referee had nothing to do with it. Th- that would have been great because you would have, you've already gotten a freebie on two games back-to-back. So in this one, You could have just been like, all right, well, it happens. But you didn't. You come out looking like a jerk, to be quite honest, regardless of how uh, delightful or colorful he might have tried to put it. I mean, it Mm -hmm. it just makes no sense to me. And at the end of the day, RSL beat them fair and square. RSL was uh, pragmatic. And and yes, perhaps they uh, were very conservative. But at the end of the day, uh, it worked. They contained uh, RSL and in the best way possible. Uh, with the team that is the, the Cinderella of the playoffs, uh, Kralik scoring that goal is just, is just magical in a very MLS type of way. So I, I love to see it, and I love to see Peter Burmese be on the other side of that coin.
1: When you look at LAFC, the way that they lose to Colorado, how much of a stunner was that not necessarily that Colorado at home, where they've been very, very tough this year, knocked off LAFC, but the manner in which Colorado knocked off LAFC on decision day, that to me was one of the, the more stunning impacts. Not just Not a stunning result, mind you, because we figured Colorado was a home favorite going in, but the fact that this game was... I mean, Colorado at times was boat racing LAFC and they go on to win 5-2. When it came to this particular result, how much of a surprise was it for you? It was a huge surprise. And look, you could talk about LAFC not being in the
2: playoff position and not being above the red line, but at the end of the day, it was a team that was on a huge hot streak that uh, began to find their uh, stride, that understood what they were doing wrong and completely changed it around. Uh, red Hot uh, Christian Arango, um, Cifuentes playing great, uh, Uruguay national team, Rodriguez oh, that you know has been balling. So Colorado, regardless of being the the the, the favorite and the AFC coming as the underdog, you could be like, wow, LAFC has everything to win this game, and and you. You know, I did at least. I thought that they were going to get in the playoffs if they, if they were to, you know, do, do a little bit more. So it was a huge surprise for me, especially the scoreline, uh, especially yeah. the way the game developed. But mm-hmm. huge credit to Colorado and what Frazier has done with this team. They were selective on when to attack. They were effective up front. I thought Price played a fantastic game. Um uh, Kellen Acosta as well, just such a uh, uh, such a huge leader and 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 a guide, a northern star, or where the team needed to go. He he was a compass in, in, for this team. Uh, they were able to uh, really take on what LAFC was bringing, and they never let down. I mean, Colorado starts winning, but immediately after LAFC responds right back, and that doesn't phase. Uh, Colorado at all right so uh, I I just thought that that they did a good job about continuing to keep the foot the the pedal to the metal and you know Mm -hmm. they 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 start off winning they continue to just um, build up this game and um, considering that they're the team with the lowest salary in, in 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 all of MLS with the least amount of DPS, or or at least productive DPS, <laughs> you know DPS that that, that are worth mentioning. Uh, yeah. I, I think they did a fantastic job uh, in this one. I mean, in, it it was it was just a master class on how to counter a master class on how to use the width of your team and, and how to just stay involved throughout the whole time. Not to mention the fact that the, the Colorado ran that entire game. I mean, they were so mm-hmm. active. Defensively, they never allowed LAFC to get back in the game. I mean, it, it was just a great job by Colorado.
1: How blown up do you see LAFC getting in the offseason? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, because Bradley's contract is up. We yes. know this. And that's the big one. And, and that's the big one. And you're thinking, okay, probably to Toronto to be there to coach with his son. That's the easy. That's the easy one. So you figure wherever Michael's going to be, Bob, it's conventional wisdom that he'll be that coach. But how much past that do you see LAFC getting blown up? Oh man! Um, I didn't mean uh, to challenge you with your adult beverage handy.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that is by no means altering my decision making here. But but I am going to oh, give no. you an odd answer right here. I'm gonna let you know okay. that i i I have a feeling that Brad is gonna stay uh really? and, and that's yes and, and that's that goes opposite to everything that I've told you throughout the season, and that's opposite to everything that I have uh, even felt myself uh, throughout this regular season, so the reason of it is because I think that there's gonna be so many me piece and pieces here. Uh, I think Vela for sure is gone. Uh, I think that they're going to have to go look for a, uh, not a full-time, because that's a bad word, but uh, for for a better goalkeeper, I think that several of those defensive pieces are going to be gone. So because of that, they're going to need some structure. You need some balance. You need some consistency. And that's Bob Bradley. And and I said it to you and um, Jason before, I I think that Bob Bradley is going to be LAFC's scapegoat in case Things still tanking. They, they, need yeah. to, they need to figure out somebody that they could fire mid-season mid if things just don't pick up. And if they do pick up, then you're looked at as brilliant. You, you just uh, held on to the process of Bob Bradley, and now it paid off. So I, I think it's a, a low-risk situation um, with, with a high potential. Uh, with a high reward. So uh, I have a feeling that Bob will stay, that things will be the same and a lot of changes will be done to that roster. That's for sure that that roster is gonna completely be differently next next season w- with you know obviously some pieces that have been working like Cifuentes, Arango, I expect Brian Rodriguez to be back for one more year, um, okay. especially after you know completely failing in Spain. So I don't see mm-hmm. him going anywhere. Uh, so because of that, I think those some of those pieces will stay, and Bob Bradley will continue to be the LAFC head coach.
1: Three more questions, and uh, thanks for doing this. I know that we're catching you. Oh, what is the movie that you're going to be going, going into, by the way? Uh,
2: <laughs> it is The uh, Eternals by by Marvel. Uh
1: okay.
2: and, and my show is on 2.15, so you are good. Uh, I am A-OK over here. Um, I'm, like, nearby in a location where –
1: you you can kind of scout and see what's going on before the Eternals want to want to start jumping on all the bad guys from Marvel. I see. I see this. Okay,
2: <laughs> that's right. Yes, all right. right.
1: Yeah. All right. So, how crazy was the Galaxy Minnesota match for you?
2: Oh man, that was
1: that was flat out bananas at points, man.
2: No, I mean it, it was insane, and, and once again, b- beyond the scoring line is. You know what we all kind of were looking at, right? I mean we, we all at least I did and, and we talked about it. I got one right, I got one wrong, and now one uh our RSL goes in, but the LAX, LA Galaxy end up getting out and Minnesota just slinders their way through through the line. Uh mm-hmm. but but yeah, it, it was just a, a crazy game uh that I believe describes Minnesota to the best of any other game. I mean, they... Absolute chaos. Absolute chaos uh, throughout the whole game. It was just such an odd and, at times, undeserving win. I mean, I feel feel bad to say it, but it was almost undeserving the way they tied that game up and they ended up Mm. getting into uh, the the playoffs. Um, The only credit that I will give is that they stuck to their guns. They stuck to what they were doing uh, in terms of formation, in terms of um, the way they approached the games. Uh, Frigerio uh, was was good, but he wasn't great. Uh, Except I the, thought, the
1: PK off the post that could have given him the lead.
2: That's right, that, and that's what I wanted to go to. <laughs> that's what I wanted to go to. You know, he had some really good plays and then some ones that completely could have given the, 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 the lead and, and that's definitely one of those. Uh Reynoso himself, uh, I didn't think he had a great game. So uh the fact that they were able to hold off was was very interesting uh for me. Um and and I just think they're they're gonna be the, the worst team in the playoffs. I, I they have no chance to be. Timbers, in my opinion, uh, n- not, not with the way they played, not with this defensive line, not with how vulnerable they are in the midfield, uh, not with the amount of mistakes that they create. I mean, I, I just think that they are a, a farce. They are just a, a non-factor here in the playoffs.
1: So then what is the level of concern there in Seattle after the 1-1 draw at BC Place? Man, um, there's some concern. There there is some concern,
2: um, especially because the Sounders um, right now have a lot of players that are nursing injuries that although are expected to play, uh, I always go to how well they can play and how sustainable their play can be. Nicolás Odero being the one that has been has had such a difficult time staying healthy one game in one game out. He has a swollen knee. Once again, he's retaining liquids in one of his knees. Uh, That could be something that he's going to be dealing with throughout the playoffs. Raul Radia coming back is fantastic, but he's also a player that came on. Got a score and then was pulled off with the same hamstring injury. So you're hoping that that gets better. And, And these are key components. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the number one MVP candidate, Joe Paolo. And, and and the one that gives your team balance, he gives your team um, buildup from the back line, gives you distribution, gives you defense, and that's Joe Paulo. If he's not 100% for Seattle, this team cannot play to the best of its abilities in any way, both defensively and offensively. And you've seen it. You've tried it all. Row and atencio you've tried Leva and row you uh, the one thing you haven't done and that you could do is maybe put Christian Roldan in that spot, but then you're missing him doing that oh. dual function higher up the field so th- there's just a lot of question marks when it comes to this team in critical positions, so it is concerning uh especially going against r s l team that is the Cinderella, the dark horse, the chip on your shoulder. We have nothing to lose. So Seattle's going to have to come with it, And they're going to have to, from minute one to minute 90, finish this game off. You cannot allow RSL to, at any point of the game, quiet down the crowd. You cannot allow them to get ahead in the game. You cannot give them the slightest chance to feel like they can win this game or you're not going to get out of that hole. So Seattle at this point in time has a lot of corrective measures that, that they have to implement defensively, mentally, and, and of course, health-wise. So I, I, do I believe they're going to win? Absolutely. At home, they're, they're, they're a team that has been here, done that, that have been able to rotate the roster throughout the whole season and Found a way to win, but this is the one win or go home. There is no two leg. There is not, we'll get that next time. Uh uh-uh. uh. And you're going against the RSL team that's going to be in there to kill and, and, and without anything to lose. So Seattle definitely needs to be very careful. Jordan Morris is going to be a key factor in this one as well, I think. Uh, he's going to give them uh, a little bit of what you could be missing in, in, in other positions. I still don't know how healthy Raul Redius is. I expect he's going to play, but how do they bring him on? Do they bring him on off the bench? Is he going to start and watch his minutes? Uh, so I think Jordan's going to play a big role in this one. Um, and yeah, man, it's, it's going to be a good game for sure. I, I don't think it's going to be a, an easy game for Seattle by any point of the
1: imagination. Right now, uh, the juice boxes for Thanksgiving, your favorite Thanksgiving side dishes. Uh, Seattle's a minus 143. We'll get into that more and then the other playoff games next week. Before we go, I promised I was going to ask about this. With this round of qualifiers now coming up, the next series of matches in a row, what from 30,000 feet are you looking at when it comes to uh, the the qualifiers in uh, North America and South America and pretty much anywhere on this planet? What's going on in your mind with this round of qualifiers before we go?
2: Um, what is on my mind when it comes to the qualifiers?
1: Yeah, um, who, who, what do you think is going to happen? This is where Nico gets out the crystal ball and starts saying, "Okay, I think that we got to keep an eye on this. We got to keep an eye on this. Tata Martino's going to be out of a job. Greg Burhalter is going to be the star of stars in this universe. What do you think is going to happen in this round? What do folks in, from your mind need to keep an eye on for this next, the next batch of games?
2: Well, let's start in South America. That's where my sure. mind is at. I mean, there you I, go. Uh, I have my alarm clock going. I'll be going to a friend's house here at 4.30 to watch a, 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 what I believe is going to be a great game between uh, Brazil and Colombia. Um, so I think that in terms of common ball, you, you just want to watch who's going to get in immediately and who's going to be having to play that wild playoff game. So um, in terms of common you know, can, can Uruguay, be able to push their way in uh, and knock Colombia out? Uh, Ecuador, who is currently winning uh, at this point in time, uh, can mm-hmm. they continue with that great play and and maybe not only get into the playoffs, but be a, 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 a contender in the World Cup? I mean, you, you can literally see in the next couple of games in Ecuador whether they're going to be a problem I- I- in the World Cup. And, and I think they will be. So that's something to look at. Uh, an Ecuador team that's never... Really been given a lot of um, props or credit, and and that is currently playing some very progressive and exciting soccer. Something that was never the case uh, for Ecuador in the past. They were always pragmatic. They were always they had some good players in, in certain positions, athletic. But this Ecuador team is it's going to be a problem. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, Argentina is always a team that I feel like. It's They have a lot of talent, but there is no true consistency within them. So how good can they really play? Um, so, so that's in terms of, of of South America in general. It's going to be a, a close race to the finish for sure uh, between Uruguay, uh, Colombia, Ecuador. Uh, how that's really going to play out at the end, that's going to be interesting. In terms of comeball, I, I think you hit it right on. Uh, there is no position for a head coach that has the demands in America in general that, that, that perhaps the Mexican national team coach has to deal with because there's so much expectation to be the co- the CONCACAF giant, to dominate, uh, to, to uh, always crush the little brother of the, that is the United States F- for so many media members and so many... Mexico fans and and the Federation in general, they they don't see the progress that the United States is currently on. They don't see a golden generation. They see the same Yanks that are still playing uh, uh, PKs uh, running at the goalkeeper. and That's just what they believe the the MLS and U.S. soccer still is. So if Tata Martino loses against the United States this week, Mm. if Tata Martino has a couple of bad results, he's going to be out of the job because there is no way that the Mexican Federation is going to allow the United States to have such an up hand on international tournaments as we just had seen happen and disqualifiers. I mean, there is simply no way that that is probably the biggest thing, the biggest piece of news that you'll be looking for this week in, in, CONCACAF is how does that U.S.-Mexico game go and where does Tata Martino land if this does not go his way?
1: And that is Friday night at TQL in front of a full house in Cincinnati. What's going on with you these days? What is the written word, the spoken word, and all the other words that you are doing these days is one of the busiest men in show business. What do folks need to keep an eye on? <laughs> well, first
2: of all, I, I do want you guys to go and take a look at my article at Sandra Hard for Yamar Gomez Andrade. Uh I've had I've gotten a lot of good comments. Uh, I'm very proud of it. Yamar has such an interesting story, leaving his country at the age of 15 years old, to make his dream come true in Argentina, having to be away from his parents, struggling through uh, getting through the divisions in, in in one of the most respected leagues in South America, in Argentina, uh, not being able to make teams because he was underage, to eating nothing but pasta on a daily basis, in a mm. shared space with a bunch of trialists, uh, to becoming an, an icon uh, in de Santa Fe, and, and, and a great player, and Ironically enough, when everybody was doubting him and uh, judging him for making his leap to MLS, it is through MLS, through the Sounders, that he gets his first call-up to the Colombian national team. So uh, I I do want you guys to check it out. It's worth the while. Sandra Hart, uh, Yemar Gomez-Andrade, it's a a great story. Uh, Next week, uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm going to be having a roundtable discussion about the playoffs, you know, going into the playoffs, uh, and we'll have some of the best journalists here in Seattle, but I'm also going to be filtering in at least one representative from each um, team. Uh, Felipe Cardenas uh, uh, is a great friend of ours of the Athletics, so he's going to be coming and talking about Atlanta. Uh, We're going to have from Orlando, from uh, Vancouver. It's just going to be a a great show. So uh, I will let you guys know uh, the next time I'm on, uh, more about that one, but uh, that's the big one coming up. I, I love to do a big review, a big pre-playoff show, and, and that's what I'm basically going to be doing on this one.
1: Good deal. Uh, Nico, it is great to have you on Thursdays, whether it is for your, your breakfast, coffee, or your lunch, or heading to movies, and in W in all caps, on the Twitters. Nico, my friend, we will catch up with you next week, and we'll get, as we're closer to the playoffs, We'll break it all down. Thanks for hanging out with us once again for a 1v1. We will catch up with you next week, my friend. Thank you, John. I
2: appreciate you. Love the crowd. Love you guys, man. Have a good one